Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to the special omnibus edition of Journey with Story, where you can listen to all of this month's episodes one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout-outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you'll need to listen to the individual episodes and not this version. Got it? Oh, mums, dads, grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at our website, www.journeywithstory.com. Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Now, let's take an encore journey with Why the Possum Has a Skinny Tail. Many, many, many years ago, the possum had a long, bushy tail. He was so proud of it that he combed it every morning. He sang about it whenever the animals held a dance. The rabbit, who had no tail since the bear pulled it out, became very jealous. She made up her mind to play a trick on the possum. A great council meeting had been planned. There was to be a dance and all the animals were to be present. It was the rabbit's task to send out the news to everyone. As the rabbit was passing the possum's house, she stopped to ask him whether he would attend the dance. The possum said yes, but he would come only if he could have a special seat. I have such a handsome tail, he said. I ought to sit where everybody can see me. The rabbit promised to take care of the possum's special seat. She also promised to send someone to prepare the possum's tail for the dance. The possum was very much pleased and agreed to attend. The rabbit immediately went off to see the cricket. Now, the cricket was such an expert hair cutter, the Indians called him the barber. The rabbit told the cricket to go the next morning and get the possum's tail ready for the dance. She told the cricket exactly what to do. In the morning, the cricket went to the possum's house. I have come to get you ready for the dance, possum, he said. This pleased the possum very much. He stretched himself out and shut his eyes. The cricket began to work on the possum's tail. First, he carefully combed it. Then he quietly began to clip the possum's hair close to the roots. As he clipped, the cricket wrapped red ribbon around the tail to hold the loose hair in place. The possum, eyes tightly shut, didn't know what the cricket was doing. When night fell, the possum went to the hall where the dance was to be held. There he found the best seat was ready for him, just as the rabbit had promised. When the possum's turn came to dance, he stepped into the middle of the floor, grinning from ear to ear. The drummers began to drum, and the possum began to sing, See my beautiful tail! Everyone shouted. This pleased the possum, so he danced around the circle again, and he sang, See! What a fine colour my tail is! And everyone shouted again, and the possum danced around the circle once more. And as he danced, he sang, See how my tail sweeps the ground! 
The animals shouted more loudly than before. The possum was delighted. Now, to really show off his fur, he untied the ribbon, then around and around he danced, singing, See how fine is the fur on my tail! Suddenly, everybody started to laugh. They laughed so long that the possum wondered why they were laughing. He looked around the circle of animals. They were laughing at him! Then he looked down at his tail. He saw that there was not a hair left upon it. It was as bare as the tail of a lizard. He was so surprised and embarrassed that he could not say a word. Instead, he rolled over helplessly on his back, grimacing with embarrassment. Just as possums still do today when taken by surprise. Let's take a journey with The Gifts of the Grasscutter by Aaron Shepherd. In a mud hut far from town lived an old grasscutter named Wally Dodd. Every morning Wally Dodd cut and bundled tall wild grass. Every afternoon he sold it as fodder in the marketplace. Each day he earned 30 pesa. Ten of the small coins went for food, ten went for clothes and other needs, and ten he saved in a clay pot under his bed. In this manner Wally Dodd lived happily for many years. One evening, Wally Dodd dragged out the pot to see how much money it held. He was amazed to find that his coins had filled to the brim. What am I to do with all this money? He said to himself. I need nothing more than I have. Wally Dodd thought and thought. At last, he had an idea. The next day, Wally Dodd loaded the money into a sack and carried it to a jeweller in the marketplace. He exchanged all his coins for a lovely gold bracelet. Then Wally Dodd visited the home of a travelling merchant. Tell me, said Wally Dodd, in all the world, who is the noblest lady? Without doubt, said the merchant, it is the young queen of Kaiston. I often visit her palace just three days' journey to the east. Do me a kindness, said Wally Dodd. The next time you pass that way, give her this little bracelet with my compliments. The merchant was astonished, but he agreed to do what the ragged grass cutter asked. Soon after, the merchant found himself at the palace of the Queen of Kaiston. He presented the bracelet to her as a gift from Wally Dodd. Oh, how lovely, she said, admiring the bracelet. Your friend must accept a gift in return. 
My servants will load a camel with the finest silks. When the merchant arrived back home, he brought the silks to the hut of Wally Dodd. Oh, no, said the grass cutter. This is worse than before. What am I to do with such finery? Perhaps, said the merchant, you could give it to someone else. Wally Dodd thought for a moment. Tell me, he said, in all the world, who is the noblest man? That is simple, said the merchant. It is the young king of Nechabod. His palace, too, I often visit, just three days' journey to the west. Then do me another kindness, begged Wally Dodd. On your next trip there, give him these silks with my compliments. The merchant was amused, but he agreed. On his next journey, he presented the silks to the king of Nechabod. Oh, a splendid gift, said the king, admiring the silks. In return, your friend must have twelve of my finest horses. So the merchant brought the king's horses to Wally Dodd. Oh, this grows worse and worse, declared the old man. What could I do with twelve horses? But after a moment, Wally Dodd said, I know who should have such a gift. I beg you, keep two horses for yourself and take the rest to the Queen of Kaiston. The merchant thought this was very funny, but he consented. <laughs> On his next visit to the Queen's palace, he gave her the horses. Now the Queen was perplexed. She whispered to her Prime Minister, Why does this Wally Dodd persist in sending gifts? I have never heard of him. The Prime Minister said, Why don't you discourage him? Send him a gift so rich he can never hope to match it. So, in return for the ten horses from Wally Dodd, the Queen sent back twenty mules loaded with silver. When the merchant and mules arrived back at the hut, Wally Dodd groaned. Oh, what have I done to deserve this? Friend, spare an old man. Keep two mules and their silver for yourself and take the rest to the King of Nechabod. The merchant was getting uneasy, but he could not refuse such a generous offer, so not long after he found himself presenting the silver-laden mules to the king of Nechabod. The king, too, was perplexed and asked his prime minister for advice. Well, perhaps this Wally Dodd seeks to prove himself your better, said the Prime Minister. Why not send him a gift he can never surpass? So the king sent back twenty camels with golden anklets, twenty horses with golden bridles and stirrups, twenty elephants with golden seats mounted on their backs. And 
20 liveried servants to care for them all. When the merchant guided the servants and the animals to Wally Dodd's hut, the grass-cutter was beside himself. Ah, will bad fortune never end? Please do not stop for a minute. Keep for yourself two of each animal and take the rest to the Queen of Kaistan. How can I go to her again? protested the merchant. But Wally Dodd pleaded so hard the merchant consented to go just once more. This time, the queen was stunned by the magnificent of Wally Dodd's gift. She turned again to her prime minister. Clearly, said the prime minister, the man wishes to marry you. Since his gifts are so fine, perhaps you should meet him. So the queen ordered a great caravan made ready with countless horses, camels and elephants. With a trembling merchant as guide, she and her court set out to visit the great Wally Dodd. On the third day, the caravan made camp, and the queen sent the merchant ahead to tell Wally Dodd of her coming. When Wally Dodd heard the merchant's news, his head sank to his hands. Oh, no, he moaned. Now I will be paid for all my foolishness. I have brought shame on myself, on you and on the Queen. What are we to do? I fear we can do nothing, said the merchant, and he headed back to the caravan. The next morning Wally Dodd rose before dawn. Goodbye, old hut, he said. I will never see you again. The old grass cutter started down the road, but he had not gone far when he heard a voice. He turned and saw two radiant ladies. He knew at once they were Peris from Paradise. Peris are similar to what we might call an angel. Wally Dodd sank to his knees and cried, I am a stupid old man. Let me go my way. I cannot face my shame. No shame shame can come to such such as you. said one of the Perrys. Though your clothes are poor, in your heart you are a king. The Perry touched him on the shoulder, and to his amazement he saw his rags turn into fine clothes. A jewelled turban sat on his head. The rusty sickle at his waist was now a gleaming scimitar. Return, Wally Dodd, said the other Perry. All is as it should be. Wally Dodd looked behind him where his hut had stood. A splendid palace sparkled in the rising sun. In shock, he turned to the Perrys, but they had vanished. Wally Dodd hurried back along the road. As he entered the palace, the guards gave a salute. Servants bowed to him, then rushed here and there, preparing for the visitors. Wally Dodd wandered through countless rooms, gaping at riches beyond his imagining and suddenly three servants ran up. A caravan from the east, announced the first. No, said the second. A caravan from the west. No, said the third. Caravans from both east and west. The bewildered Wally Dodd rushed outside to see two caravans halt before the palace. 
Coming from the east was a queen in a jeweled litter. Coming from the west was a king on a fine horse. Wally Dodd hurried to the queen. My dear Wally Dodd, we meet at last, said the queen of Kaiston. But who is that magnificent king? I believe it is the king of Nechabod, your majesty, said Wally Dodd. Please excuse me for a moment. He rushed over to the king. My dear Wally Dodd, I had to meet the giver of such fine gifts, said the king of Nechabod. But who is that splendid queen? The queen of Kaiston, your majesty, said Wally Dodd with a smile. Please come and meet her. So the king of Nechabod met the queen of Kaiston and the two fell instantly in love. A few days later, their marriage took place in the palace of Walidard. And the celebration went on for many days. At last, Walidard had said goodbye to all his guests. The very next morning he rose before dawn, crept quietly from the palace and started down the road. But he had not gone far when he heard a voice. Where are you going, Walidard? He turned and saw the two perries again. He sank to his knees. Did I not tell you I'm a stupid old man? I should be glad for what I've received, but... Say no more, said the other Perry. You shall have your heart's desire. And she touched him again. So Wally Dodd became once more a grass cutter living happily in his hut for the rest of his days. And though he often thought warmly of his friends, the king and queen, he was careful never to send them another gift. Let's take a journey with The Little Old Woman and the North Wind. Once upon a time, there was a little old woman who wanted to bake a loaf of bread. So she hurried off to the miller and bought a bowl of flour and returned home eager to start her baking. But just as she neared her house, the North Wind whisked by and blew her flower to the four corners of the world. The little old woman was most perplexed at such a stroke of bad luck, but she took another coin from her purse and set off once more to buy another bowl of flour from the miller. As she neared her house again, she held the bow very tight and very close, carefully protecting it. But the north wind blustered by right by her and scattered the flower to the four corners of the world. Now the little old woman was most annoyed and determined not to give up her quest to bake a loaf of bread. 
So she took another coin from her purse and went back to buy another bowl of flour from the miller. But on her way home, everything happened as before, and the north wind gushed by her, scattering the flour to the four corners of the world. Enough! declared the little old woman. Now I will just go myself to the north wind and demand that he give me back my three bowls of flour. So off she marched. She walked a very long way until she came to a mountain top where she found the north wind. How are you? asked the little old woman. Oh, quite fine, thank you, replied the north wind. What might I do for you, dear lady? like to ask you to return the three bubbles of flour that you blew away. Ha oh, ha I am sorry, dear lady, said the North Wind, but I am afraid I cannot do that, for I have blown those bowls of flour to the four corners of the world. But I will give you something so that you will never be hungry again. Here is my magic tablecloth. Whenever you see to it, Cloth, spread yourself. It will be covered with the finest food and drink you can imagine. The little old woman thanked the North Wind for his kindness, took the magic tablecloth and started back home. Now, since she had not slept for such a long time, she decided to spend the night at a nearby inn along the way. Once she was settled in a room, she laid out her magic tablecloth, saying, Cloth, spread yourself. Immediately the cloth was covered with a sumptuous feast, the likes of which she had never seen in her life. As she began to eat, the smells of all these delicious dishes wafted under her door as the innkeeper was walking by. So he peeked through the keyhole, and when he spied the tablecloth, he decided that he must have it for himself. He waited until the little old woman was sound asleep in her bed and then he sneaked into her room, took the tablecloth and hid it in his cupboard. The next morning the little old woman was distraught to find her magic tablecloth was missing. (gasps) What a calamity, she cried, but I must simply go back to the north wind and tell him what has happened. So back she went to the mountain top where the north wind stayed and she told him how her magic tablecloth must have been stolen. Oh, do not worry, said the north wind. I will give you my magic staff. All you have to do is to return to the inn and say, Staff, dance. The staff will then dance on the toes of the thief who stole your magic tablecloth. The little old woman thanked the north wind for his kindness and once more returned to the inn. There she found the innkeeper entertaining his guests with a magnificent feast all spread out on her magic tablecloth. At once she cried out, Staff, dance! The staff danced right over to the innkeeper, dancing on his toes. Oh, please, please, I beg you, cried the innkeeper. Stop this staff, stop it! Only if you return to me what is rightfully mine, said the little old woman. At 
the innkeeper gladly handed her the magic tablecloth, and the little old woman went on her way, while the staff danced its way back to the north wind. From that day forward, the little old woman was never hungry again, for the magic tablecloth provided her with the most delicious and sumptuous food all the days of her life. Let's take a journey with Leela Now, the Fairy Girl. Once on the shore of Lake Superior, there lived a lovely Indian girl named Leela Now. She was slender and tiny, with soft dark eyes and little feet. And whenever the moon rose faint and white while the sun was setting, she danced in a pine grove by the shore. And when she danced like this, her mother called, Come into the lodge, Leela now, for the silver moon is rising. Soon the little people, the fairies, will come out to play among the trees, and they carry away dancing girls. So, sadly, Leela now returned to the lodge, for she longed to see those fairies. Summer after summer, on moonlit nights, the little people joined hands and danced in the pine grove, and their sweet voices were heard by Lilanao sitting in the lodge. And when the Indians slept, the mischievous fairies came creeping in, and Lilanao, waking, heard their low laughter in the dark. They rustled about and hid the fisher boy's paddle plucked the feather from the headdress of the hunter and carried away nuts and fruit. And in the morning, Leela now saw their tiny footprints in the sand dunes by the lake. And so it happened in this way, summer after summer. When the long, cold winter nights came, the mother sat by the fire and told tales of fairyland how deep in the earth all was warm, and the flowers bloomed, and the birds sang, and the little people feasted and were happy. And Leela now's heart was filled with longing to visit fairyland, and so it happened in this way, winter after winter. Now, on a summer's day, a handsome brave came to court Leela now. Her mother dressed her for the marriage. She braided her hair with sweet grasses and put her best clothes upon her and led her out to the marriage feast. And the braves and the squaws and the youths and the maidens of the Chippewas for miles around came to the feast. But Leela now sighed and wept and begged that she might go alone once more to the pine grove before she became a bride. Her mother said, Very well then, 
So, at evening, Lila now wound wildflowers in her hair and filled her arms with tassels of the pine. Then she hastened to the grove. Darkness fell, and Lila now did not return. The moon rose and shed its white beams on the lake. But the maiden did not come. The bridegroom and guests went to search for the bride. They wandered through the grove and sought up and down the shore. But Lilanau was gone. And no one saw her go except one poor fisher lad who was paddling his canoe near the land. He watched her wandering through the grove and dancing with a bright fairy chief whose green plumes nodded high above his head. And Lilanau was never seen again on the shore of Lake Superior. I hope you enjoyed all of our stories for this month. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories aplenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.